0: Where does low self-esteem or a wrecked self-image really come from? Could it be coming possibly from negative thoughts or beliefs that we have about ourselves? If so, we need to challenge them with some good old-fashioned truth. Or it could be coming from some outside influences, voices, or circumstances. But at any rate, we're going to cover it all in truth today, and we're going to move in the direction of restoring our self image. So stay with me today. That and so much more on today's show. Hey, friend, welcome to the Shattered in the Beautiful podcast. I'm Jeannie Smith. If your heart is hurting, no matter what your circumstances are, there is only one healer. Through biblical content, I will teach you how to experience whole healing and soar into great purpose. So let's get into today's show. Grab your favorite coffee, journal, and Bible. It's time to dig in and unwrap your gift. Hey, friends, this is Jeannie Smith. Welcome back to the Shattered into Beautiful podcast. Today, I want to talk about self image. There are so many things that could come against us that are truly meant to destroy our self image but I want you to do something for me. I want you to take some pen and paper and I want you to just go ahead and I want you to jot some things down. I want you to note some thoughts that you have about yourself and I want you to look at those thoughts. Are they positive things or are there negative things there? Are these things that you possibly believe about yourself? If you could wrap up your self-image in a paragraph, what would those words look like? What would you say about yourself if no one was ever going to see this? Now, no one is going to see it, by the way, but you and the good Lord, okay? Because when we get done with this exercise, you are going to destroy those lies about your self-image because I'm going to give you some solid truth today about your self-image. Why? Because you are a child of God. And guess what? There is a profile picture of what a child of God looks like and who they are. So today, we're going to go through some scriptures of what that person looks like. So before we begin to discover those treasures, I want to return back to a poem that I read to you last week. I'm going to read it again this week, and we're going to break it down and see what the Lord might have to say about our self-image. I call you Lord, and you shy away from all you have to give. I dare to call you Father and my spirit starts to live. I can't conceive a lordly one could ever care for me or that the one who rules the world would die to set me free. So let's just stop right there and let's look at what that's saying. So I call you Lord and I shy away from all you have to give. Well, why would we shy away from all that the Lord has to give? Do we find ourselves unworthy? Yes, we do, friends. We find ourselves unworthy to receive all that the Lord has for us. So what does it make us do? It makes us shy away from Him. And we dare to call Him Father because we can't imagine ourselves having such high value Uh, to be named as a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Sometimes our mind cannot even fathom that. And maybe the things that we've done in life or the things that's happened to us in life make us just feel not worthy of that, but when we call him Father, when we say those words, and we approach him, our spirit starts to live. Because as we draw close to him, he draws close to us. And what does it say in His Word that He draws close to the broken-hearted? I can't conceive a lordly one could ever care for me. Or that the one who rules the world would die to set me free. How can I even imagine with my mind that God would love me so much that he would die to set me free? That he would leave the 99 and he would come after me. Oh, if we can just comprehend that and embrace that, then we would see our self-worth in his eyes. How much he loves us and adores us. He calls us his beloved. Yet when I call you, Father, and allow your love to flow within me, then all your might and majesty you gently to me show. You ask that I should trust you. A simple task, it would seem, yet love I once was sure of seems but a distant dream. So let's talk about that because sometimes we can get hurt in such a way that we find it very, very difficult to trust again. So, But we have to learn to trust again. God is asking us, to trust him. Remember, there is a U.S. there in between those letters. He's asking us to walk with him in this journey called life and to trust him. And yes, it is difficult to do that when we have been hurt time and time and time again. But the Heavenly Father does not cause pain and harm to us. The Heavenly Father only wants what the best is for us and he loves us. And it seems like a simple task just to say the words that yes, we want to trust you but yet it's so difficult for us to do. So yet love, I once was sure of, seems but a distant dream. It seems so far and untainable, right? Why should it be such a hard task for us? Let's go on. To simply bring to memory the promises I've known, it seems a poor excuse, one I've no right to spout, to say that all my hope and trust has been replaced by doubt. Anybody had trouble just believing lately, just believing in the goodness of God because of hurt and pain, it's very, very difficult to do sometimes, but yet God is asking us to trust him and to replace that doubt with trust. The poem goes on, I do not doubt that God exists and rules over land and sea, you know, and sometimes when we go through very, very painful things, we still believe in God. You know, nothing has changed the fact that we believe in God but somehow it's hard to believe that that same God loves us because of the things that we've gone through or cares about us or is interested in the details of our life because maybe we've prayed about some things that we really needed to see God move in and we didn't see him answer those prayers the way that we w- was hoping that he would answer those prayers you know we can set expectations of what we think is best but God knows so much more than we do, and he sees the bigger picture, and we can only see what's right in front of us, so sometimes that becomes difficult, and so it's not that we don't believe in God, but sometimes we may have doubt or disbelief that God is here in us, or that God is wanting to answer our prayers, or God, why didn't you hear me? Why didn't you do the things that I asked you to do? Your word says that you answered prayers. Your word says, ask and you shall receive, but Lord, you failed me. You didn't do these things. So many circumstances in our life can make us begin to look at God that way. And we begin to protect ourselves. It's a self-protection thing that we do of almost not wanting to approach God anymore because this God that you trusted and loved so deeply and believed in, you know, things happen and you got hurt in life and you're like, God, where were you in all of that? I still believe in you. I believe there is a God, but where were you at during those circumstances? And so, That goes back to my earlier question of, do we approach God? Do we believe that we can approach God with our pain? And sometimes all of this and so much more leads to that wrecked self-image that we have of, are we truly a child of God? Is he really hearing us? But yet this is the God that rules over land and sea. This is the God that causes the wind and sea to stop and obey. And we think to ourself, is this the same Lord Almighty that truly cares for me? So the poem goes on. A doubt that is quite unfounded as I daily tend my task and find that God is always there to help me when I ask. His love is not condemning, though often I let him down. Yet if I look, his smile I see, not some expected frown. Isn't that so sweet to know you know, Scripture tells us, Romans 8, 1, that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll do a good job of condemning ourselves, but Scripture says that He doesn't condemn us. His love is not condemning. He is an all-loving, faithful God. And just because He didn't answer our prayers the way we were hoping that they would be answered doesn't mean that He doesn't answer prayer. And one day, when we're with him eternally in heaven, we're going to see the bigger picture of a better way. The reason God didn't answer the prayers the way we wanted them answered is because he had a better plan, purpose in mind. And we're just not always going to know and understand those things here on earth. And many times we let God down, but he never lets us down. He continues to shine his smile and his love upon us. His patience is long suffering, the poem goes on to say, and long he has suffered. Didn't Jesus suffer? He suffered tremendously on the cross, and he did that out of love for me and you. For all my fears and doubting, his love won't cease to be. You know what? Friends, God can handle our fears and our doubt. He did it for Thomas. Look how faithful he was to Thomas, doubting Thomas, who didn't believe that Jesus died and rose again. And he had to show Thomas the The actual scars and holes within his hands and his wrists and palms. And so he does, he goes to no ends to prove himself to us. He is faithful to do that because he wants us to not have fear. He wants us to not have disbelief. So he pours out his love from above. The poem goes on and soaks this hurting child of his. So let's just pause right there. He soaks this hurting child of his. What does he soak us with? His love. His comfort. Can you just pause for a moment right now, wherever you're at, listening to this? And can you just sit still in his presence and let him soak you? Just soak you with his love. The poem goes on to say, in his cleansing, healing love, he soaks us. No more I'll doubt nor stumble. A claim I long to make. But is only wishful thinking. Such promises I'd break. But I will trust in his goodness. And I'll edge ever slowly forward. And try to place my doubts and fears. In the strong hands of my Lord. Friends, he can handle it. And I love that this poem is just basically speaking about this wrecked self-image. And it's just so real. But then towards the end, there's this picture of this person moving close to the Lord, beginning to midway through, we see a picture of this person beginning to trust God with everything in their life. And they begin to move towards this God that will soak them in his healing, cleansing, healing love. And we see that. We see the trust being revealed here in the last section of this poem here. And it begins to speak out God's character, that he is trustworthy, he is faithful, he is goodness. And as his children, we're going to edge slowly towards that. And as we do, listen, the closer that we get to God all the time, the fears, struggles that we have, they begin to dissipate because they cannot live in his presence. Do you understand? They cannot, fear has to take a back row seat. When faith is present and the closer that we move to God, the more those things dissipate, they disappear, they go away. They're held captive by the presence of Jesus Christ. And instead, we are filled with his goodness, his trust, his faithfulness. We are filled with courage and boldness and there's no longer any doubt or fear. And that comes from being in his presence and understanding who we are as his children in the strong hands of my Lord, we may not feel strong and be strong, but friends, let me tell you, He is. For when we are weak, then He is strong. Second Corinthians twelve ten. Now let's go back to that uh, list of words that you wrote about yourself, or maybe it was a paragraph. Let's go back to it. Now. On another piece of paper, I want you to write down these scriptures that I'm going to give you, and I want you to go back, and I'm going to read them to you now, but I want you to go back, and I want you to look at these scriptures on your own and really spend some time meditating on them and seeing what God might have to say to you about these words. Okay, so before we jump into the Bible verses on this topic, I want to take a second to redefine the term self-esteem or self-image. It's typically defined as a confidence in one's own worth or abilities. So I don't know about you, but me as a Christian, I define self-esteem as having confidence that I am who God says I am. I have learned through the hardship and pain in my own life that I have to define myself and I have to align that with who I am in Christ. So my identity has to reflect the image of God because that's who I am. And the more and more I walk in that, then I see an increase in my self-image. And what this does is it frees us, right? So we're not dependent on our own abilities or our own thoughts, negative thoughts. Remember, I spoke about that in the beginning of the show about ourselves. No, because those things can lie to us and they are un reliable. They have to be based on truth. Our identity has to be based on truth. So instead, we're going to know who God is and who God says we are, and we're going to allow that to equip us for the work that he has set out for me and for you to do, right? We all have different roles in the kingdom. And before we can fulfill those roles in the kingdom, we have to be sure about who we are, as a child of God, our identity has to be strong. Our self-worth and self-image has to be solid. The foundation has to be there. So let's begin to look at some scriptures, okay? That will, I believe, grow your confidence and your self-esteem. Now there are many, many, but we only have time for a few. So I want us to begin to look at Joshua one nine. He says, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged." For the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. Now, look at that. That's some huge confidence there that God's pouring out. It's saying you are more than enough. Here, take my word for it. Believe it. Go and do the things that I've called you to do. You know, and that could be in your day-to-day walk, getting up, getting dressed, going to work. It could be a project that you're working on. It could be an event you're getting ready to speak for. It could be a neighbor you're getting ready to minister to. But there's a lot of things that the enemy will try to do to keep you from fulfilling that which God has called you to do. And so how he does that is by tearing down our self-image, tearing down our self-worth, making us feel less confident when God wants us to be fully confident. Have I not commanded you, is what he says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. And remember what I said, the closer we draw to God, the more we are not afraid. Because we begin to take on his identity the closer that we get to him. And guys, we got to speak this over ourselves too. It's not enough to just pray and draw close to the word of God. You got to speak the word of God over your life as well. So when you don't feel like you're good enough, then you speak God's worth and identity over yourself. It's easy to want to blend in and hide in the back and avoid bringing any attention to yourself when you feel less than or unworthy. But God wants to keep you in the spotlight. He wants, he's so proud of you. He wants people to see, this is my child who I'm so well pleased with. He did that with Jesus. He's doing that with you and I, and he wants you to be solid and confident in your abilities and your strengths. Why? Because he gave you those abilities and those strengths. Listen, God is saying here, I will be with you wherever you go and you can have confidence in him because he is our strength. So it's not really about us having confidence in ourselves as much as it is having confidence in God. Okay, let's look at another one. Jeremiah 17, 7, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Now, remember what I just said, our confidence is to be more in him than in ourselves because, you know, we're just lowly people that's going to make mistakes all the time. But as we look upon him and rely on his confidence, then we become confident of ourselves because while we are a child of God. So we don't have to stress about our own weaknesses because we all have weaknesses, right? We don't have to strive. We don't have to stress about them. No, we just have to walk in our identity. We just walk in who we are, who God says we are. We don't have to be the smartest. We don't have to be the most successful, the most productive, or the most of anything. Really, our job is is to do our best and trust that God will work out all the rest of the details, that God will show up wherever our weaknesses are, and he will. And we can have confidence that he will do that. And friends, he always will do that. Let's look at Psalms 27.3. Though an army might besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out all around me and against me, even then, I will be confident. So he's saying, no matter what you're going through, whatever the struggles, whatever the storm, I will be there. You do not have to fear. Even when times of attack are coming and things are coming at you so fast, your head feels like it's spinning and you just feel like you're being attacked. We do not have to respond in fear. No, God is telling us to respond in faith that he is gone before us. He's to the right of us. He's to the left of us. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And even then, you can be confident. You are a child of God and nothing will overtake you. Nothing. Psalms 139, 13, 14. You were created in the inmost being. He knit you together in your mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord, Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You were not a mistake. Now, we all make mistakes all the time. But we, the creation of us, the miracle of us, we were not a mistake. We were fearfully and wonderfully made by an almighty God who has great purpose for our life. And so because of that, if nothing else, only because of that reason, we can walk around with our head held high. I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited as I read these. Scriptures. Proverbs 3 25 26. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Well, what does that mean? I guess every step I take, there could be some sort of attack or trap or something, I don't know, coming my way, right? But Am I listening to myself or to God? When those attacks come, when I walk through trials and tribulations, am I listening to myself or am I listening to God? What if I, I don't know, lose a spouse or lose a job? Are we trusting God in those circumstances? Do we believe that God is going to show up and going to provide for us? And we live in this what if, what if, what if. I know that I have lived in so many what ifs lately, and it's still a daily struggle for me. I don't talk to you about anything that I have perfected. By the way, these are things that I've walked through myself. I just try to be real and transparent and vulnerable with all my listeners and to anyone that I try to minister to, because we're all broken people. But I have lived in so many regrets and what if with the loss of family members. What if I'd have done this or what if I'd have done that, and what if, and I find myself worrying about the future. Doing that, it doesn't help me. No, it just brings harm to me because I have to trust God. And at the end of the day, I just have to say, God, do I trust you or do I not trust you? And really, there's just a big, huge question mark at the end of that because I can apply that question to everything in my life. And the answer is yes. I may not understand it. I may not even like it. I may even be angry with it. But do I trust you, God? The answer is yes. It has to always be yes. Because if we know God's character and we believe in him, we believe that there is a God and we believe that he is good, then the answer should always be yes. And the other pieces, maybe God will show us, maybe he won't. But one day we are going to see the big picture in the end result. The question we have to keep asking ourselves here on this earth is, do we trust you or do we not? Really, our role or job is simply to rely on him and to know that the almighty God is the one who will fight our battles for us, whatever we're facing in life. Do we trust him or not? This is a scripture that I love, Isaiah 41 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God and I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's interesting when we're talking about this subject of self-image and scriptures that we find when we research the word of God that's wrapped around that topic, right? And we see do not fear in several of them. So God is telling us fear wrecks is part of wrecking our self-image, right? Because when we're fearing, we're not trusting in God. We're forgetting that we are a child of God who already has victory. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there's a theme we're seeing. When we find ourselves facing hard things, Difficult things, struggles, trials, sorrows, loss. Fear can paralyze us. Fear, by the way, was meant to paralyze us. It keeps us from moving forward in our faith. God is saying over and over so many times throughout the word of God, do not fear. Fear is a plague sent from the enemy to paralyze us, to keep us from moving forward. Again, I want to say in our faith, do not fear. I am the Lord God who will strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you. And the last one that I'm going to share with you is one of my favorites, Philippians 1, 6. Be confident of this, my friends. I'm adding that in there. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I just tell you that from the very beginning, when God knit you together, when he thought about you before he even knit you together in your mother's womb, and as he was knitting you together in your mother's womb, can I just tell you that God looked upon you and he saw perfect. He saw a good work that he was beginning in you. So, when you feel worthless and discouraged or defeated, I need you to rest in this truth. That you were created with a purpose. God looked upon you from the beginning and he saw nothing but worth. He saw perfection. He saw his beloved. He saw his child and he looked upon you with great love. And you were created for a purpose to do good things for the Lord. Did you hear me? You are good. And you were created to do good things for the Lord. He started that work in you before you were even born. And he has not stopped carrying on that good in you. It's been carrying on in you every single day of your life. And so you know what? You might feel stuck right now. You might feel like you're not really progressing. You might feel like your life is just wasting away. You might not see any good, but let me tell you, God sees good. And he's looking upon you right now in this moment with good. He sees good every single day in your life, and he has good plan for your life. And it says right here in this word that he will complete it. What he started in his mind and heart for you, what he started in the womb, what he is doing right now in your life is all for good and he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this should give us great joy and hope. This is this gives us a picture of what is to come that the God that created us even before we were born is going to carry out that good work in our life. He is in the process of doing it right now, even when we can't see it by the way, cuz you know there's a lot of times we can't see what God's doing. But it's in those times when we probably feel the lowest that he is doing his greatest work. It's in those times of being in the wilderness when he is doing his greatest work. You are good because you are God's. You are good and your self-image is great and worthy and beautiful. It's intact. It's strong. It's courageous. It's beautiful. That's who you are because you are God's. And Philippians 4.13 says that you can do All things through Christ who gives you strength. Why? Because you are His. So now, I want you to take everything that I taught you today in God's Word. I want you to take these scriptures and I want you to write them down. Pull out your favorite parts of these scriptures. And I want you to align that with the lies that you might have written down about your self-image when we first started today's show. And I want you to look at them and I want you to compare them. And what I want you to do is I want you to see one side is going to reveal truth and one side is going to reveal lies. And for the page, the paragraph, the words that reveal the lies, I want you to rip them up or burn them or dig a hole, put them in the ground, whatever you want to do. And I want you to say goodbye. Bye to those lies, and I want you to take on the identity of who you truly are in Christ. So, the only thing that should remain in your journal or your notebook or whatever you wrote in is the truth of who you are, your identity as a child of God. Well, I hope today has been a blessing to you. Next week, we're going to begin talking about obedience. So, now that we know who we are in Christ, what does it look like to be obedient to God? i'll see you in the next show i love you bunches and remember live life abundantly if you like mommy's show leave a review hey before you go if this podcast has blessed you the number one way you can help me is to leave a review and subscribe to the shattered in the beautiful show next hop on over to the shattered in the beautiful private facebook group where you will find a network of friends with daily inspiration You can reach me at geniescottsmith.com. And lastly, please share the episode or review in your social and tag me at Smith Evangelistic Ministries. I cannot wait to meet with you again. Stay tuned for more life-giving podcasts coming your way.